0: the dispensation factor rule number three now what's interesting about this one is number one the word dispensation in of itself is a humongous word that is used and thrown around a lot at bible colleges and bible schools and by a lot of uh first uh, corinthians 8:1 knowledge puffeth up fat heads who like to sound very spiritual by throwing words out like this understand that the word dispensation is a very awesome biblical word We're going to define what it means and why it's important for your understanding of Bible study. But just know this. Last week's study on who the Bible is written to flows right into this one. These two rules go hand in hand together. And on your outline, understand this. Here's the the rule. Here's the factor. The Bible has divisions... Divisions generally associated with time periods in which God does things a certain way. And the key verse that highlights that rule just so happens to be our headline verse for this entire series, 2 Timothy 2.15. And so if this is the verse that highlights not only this factor, but it's also the verse we use to talk about what we're doing here with how to study the Bible, I would say this rule, this factor is of the utmost importance, as we will hopefully soon see. But let's look at it again, because I can't get enough of this verse. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. You guys don't need to be looking at me. You can be looking at the verse on your sheet. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A couple takeaways from this verse. You see, and he says, study to show thyself approved unto God. You know what that tells you? It's possible for you to be disapproved of God. He says that it is possible to be ashamed. That's why you need to put forth the work. Hey, is your Bible reading going dry? Have you been going through a chapter a day, wherever it is that God is leading you in Bible reading, and just feel like you're getting nothing out of it? Maybe it's because you're not putting forth the work. Maybe you need to take Bible reading to the next level and start studying a bit. Otherwise, you might be ashamed. What are you prepared to do? And the third thing you see from this verse is that it is possible to wrongly divide the word of truth. That's why you need to make sure you make the right divisions. All you got to do is just see your homework from the last two weeks. People who don't make the proper divisions and understand context and understand who God is speaking to, they will make wrong divisions and start an entire movement and an entire church based on false doctrine because of not appropriating those two rules. So this is of the utmost importance. On your outline, the definition of a dispensation It's technically speaking an economy or way of doing things, a certain household order, a division within time where there is a specific way things are to be administered or administrated rather. God will often dispense truth a certain way during dispensations in a very simple division so to speak on your outline. We've talked about it before. What is it? Who can fill in the blank? Where is there a clear Delineation or division in your Bible, New and, Old Testament. New and Old Testament. It's the most common and obvious dispensation division in the Bible. Again, Hebrews nine verses eleven to seventeen. Check those passages out. If anybody wants to, you want to do a trivia at school this week. Ask somebody when they think the Old and New Testament began, and if they say it began in Matthew, take them to this passage and show them when the New Testament actually begins. So that's the very technical, jargony kind of definition for what a dispensation is. But I think there's a more simplistic way that we can do this. I need seven volunteers. Dustin, come on up. Mad Dog, come on up. Garrett, come on up. Come on, girls. Sammy. I'm going to volunteer Melissa. Melissa, come on up. You'll we'll see why in a second. I lost count. Get, get the maze since they had a good time. Not they, they yeah, Ben leave leave early for a game, anyways. Come on up, Benny. Since what? You're, you're, welcome. you're welcome, Benny. Un mas. <laughs> <laughs> I need a girl. Una chica, por favor. Isabella, come on up. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dustin, go up front. <laughs> Uh, Garrett, go behind Dustin. Melissa, behind Garrett. Here. You're not going to even see Melissa. me. Yet, so. Wait, you're me. Scoot me. down, scoot down. Come on. All right, hold on. Wait. No, get in order, going from left to right. Oh, oh. Thank One, two, three. And we'll do boy, girl, boy, girl for the end. Perfect. All right. I have here a Pez dispenser. Do you guys even know what this is? Do you guys ever? The candy sucks, but these things are really, really cool. All right. This is called a Pez dispensationer. It's a Pez dispenser. And so I am going to dispense Pez to each of these seven individuals here. But it may not be in the same way each time. So, (laughs) that's Genesis (laughs) 1-1-1-2. Those of you Bible students, study that one out. All right. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Have at it. All right. Uh, Turn this way. Open up. All right. If I plan this right, I have to go this way. Ah! Here, hold on. Let's try it again. I got more ammo. <laughs> Hold on. Come <laughs> on out. Ah. Okay. Well, it's yours. I got the one, so we'll have two. I, I go I'm ahead. Sorry, cool. Go ahead. Sanders. Please give communion. Oh. That's me. <laughs> That's me. Build an ark. Oh. Get it. Get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. my right. for you. <laughs> Hmm. Oh, you know what? I already did. Yours is back there on the back table. Oh, wow. Oh, I see. <laughs> you have to make a long journey to get there. All right. <laughs> can i just take it. Thanks. You're welcome. All right, hold on. Back up, back up. All right. I'm going to need you to catch this. But close your eyes. All right, you ready? Put it somewhere right here. No, 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 Open your mouth. You hit the wall. No, that wasn't me. Someone thinks they're being funny. All right, ready? All right, I'm gonna fastball this as hard as I can. Right. I'm gonna aim for your teeth. Wow! Do you not want it? No, wait. Are you sure? I got it now. <laughs> See, all you have to do is just trust me. Why did you just throw it? In here. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, uh, hey. Thank you. I was told to go to the fun a perfect job. Some of those were a little bit easier than the others, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, here's the thing dispensations oversimplified. I gave everybody Pez, right? Everybody got a chance to get the same Pez, right? Mm -hmm. But the way in which I dispensed the Pez was different for everyone, correct? Mm -hmm. But the one thing that was the same for all of you, you still had to receive the Pez. Even though it came in a different form, even though it came in a different way, you all had to still receive what was given. (coughs) Dispensations are the same way. Everyone has a different view as to how God saved people at different times in the Bible. I mean, most people think that no, God saved people through works in the Old Testament. That's not true. Dispensations Oversimplified is the study that shows that God dispenses His grace to different people throughout different times in different ways, usually in the form of different covenants. And that's what we're looking at today. So on your outline, there's seven major dispensations or covenants that are all throughout the Bible. Open up to Genesis uh, chapter 2. The order in which you guys uh, received your Pez may or may not line up with some of these. You the PES flipping? <laughs> not, No, the Pez flipping, that was, I just needed a creative way to try to do it. So that wasn't the same each time. Genesis chapter 2. First, No, that was that was uh, the gap. Uh, the, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon it. All right, Genesis chapter 2. Look with me in verses 16 and 17. Here we have who in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve, thank you. And the Lord God commanded, verse 16, the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. The very first way in which God did things, the way in which he worked and operated is called the Edenic dispensation. If it's characterized by one trait, by one quality, it's innocence. It's Adam and Eve. They didn't know right from wrong. He created them in His image. The description of it. You have the six days of creation until the fall of Adam and Eve. That was the entire length of time that this dispensation worked. And look at God's requirement of man. Here's what He required of them. By faith, refrain from eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Again, all they had to do was trust what God said and obey. And they would have been saved. But then you come Genesis chapter 3 and you see this serpent show up. And strangely enough, Eve is not disturbed by the fact that a serpent is talking with her. Almost as if she knew him. Almost as if she had, and Adam had, interactions with these angelic beings in the garden. Hmm... It's a study for another time. She wasn't scared. But he starts talking to her, and he starts swindling her, and he starts saying smooth words to try to get her emotionally attached to him and drawn away from the Word of God. Boy, things like that are still happening amongst guys and girls and amongst churches today, where they try to say smooth words to butter you up. And what does he do? He questions the Word word of God, excuse me. He confronts, or I'm sorry, he... Goodness, I almost choked him on spit, now I'm all backwards. He questions the Word of God, he contradicts the Word of God, and he ultimately changes the Word of God to make them believe a lie. And we know the rest of the story. They took of that fruit and introduced sin to all of the world. They lost that perfect image that they had of God, and they're now a two part being. And now, as they start reproducing, they reproduce children as two part beings. Hence, you and I here today. But do you know what didn't happen after they sinned? And this is key. This is where our key understanding of how God worked as far as salvation is concerned is very, very implemental. You know what did not happen after that? Adam did not get down on his knees and say, Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross as payment for my sins, and I call upon the name of the Lord to save me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Adam didn't pray a prayer like that for salvation. Do you know why? Exactly. Christ hadn't come and died on the cross yet. Different for you and I, as opposed to Adam. God worked in a different way. No, You know what God did? God looked upon them, and He saw the works of their own hands. These fig leaves, hiding up their shame. Isn't it interesting? The first effect that sin has on mankind is self-consciousness. They were ashamed of how they looked. So they wanted to cover it up. And they were fearful. Sin makes cowards of us all. They ran from God when He came into the garden in the cool of the day. And He looked upon what they had done. He looked upon the works of their own hands with these fig leaves. And He's like, oh... Because you guys have flesh now, you're going to freeze to death. Because now i got to curse the whole planet. You know what I'm going to do? He makes coats of skins. You can't make a coat of skin unless you shed blood. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that lambs are for thy clothing. He sheds the blood of an innocent lamb and covers their Shame. That sounds a lot like what happened to you and I at the moment of salvation. Saved, but through different means. God worked in a different way. He dispensed His grace in a different way, in a different time. That leads us into number two, the second dispensation, which is known as the Adamic, A-D-A-M-I-C, Named after who? Adam. This takes place for about 1,656 years. And yes, there have been Bible students who have actually figured out that math. And it goes from the fall of Adam and Eve until the time of the flood. It's also known as the time or the characteristic trait that describes it as the era or the time of conscience. They are to, by faith, Maintain a relationship with God by way of conscience. And you see the sacrificial system begin. Number one, because of what we just talked about in Genesis chapter 3, 21, where God killed and made a coat of skins to cover them. But you know what's interesting? Look at chapter 4. Obviously, Adam and Eve trained up their children in the way that they should go. At least one of them. But look at verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought forth the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of where? His His flock. And of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. What does Abel do? He brings up a sacrificial lamb. And offers it over to God. Now keep in mind, the Old Testament law is literally over a thousand years away from even actually close to two thousand years away from even becoming set up. They did this out of their own conscience because they realized this is what God did to pay the price for my parents' sin. I am going to do this just out of a right-heart attitude. You know what else is kind of interesting too? Whoops, I'm a little behind here on the definitions. Do you guys know, and I think I've mentioned this before, that the book of Job is the oldest book in the entire Bible? You can actually trace through some verses and find, this would be interesting to study, if you know what to look for, that Job took place early on in the book of Genesis. There's, oh, there's so, many, so much evidence that suggests that. Job chapter 1, verse 5, look what it says he does here. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all, his family. But check this out. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if that was how God worked in this day and age? Man, I wonder if my kids sin today. I wonder if my parents sin today. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and offer up a burnt offering uh, in their place just in case, just to make sure that their sins are covered. Imagine how chaotic that would be. And you know what? He didn't do it because someone told him to. He didn't do it because there was a law written down. No, he did it out of the abundance and overflow of his heart because his conscience convicted him to do that. You can even check out again Job 33. He says that he looked upon men and if any say I have sinned and perverted that which was right and it profited me not he will deliver his soul from going into the pit and his life shall see the light lo all these things god worketh or all these things worketh god oftentimes with man You see even then they knew when we sin if we stay in our sin if there is not an offering made to pay the price for our sin we're going down into the pit They knew that back then so that's the time of Adam going from his fall up until the flood. Oh my. Now we come to the third dispensation, the Noahic. N-O-A-H-I-C. All of these, they're going to be named after a guy. Just add I-C at the end of it. The Noahic dispensation or covenant. The characteristic that describes it, it's a time of human government. God decides, all right, didn't work, <laughs> Didn't work uh, when I tried to let man guide his own way uh, by his conscience because, man, you get to Genesis chapter 6 and God looks down upon man and he sees that the thoughts and the intents of man's heart was only evil continually. We all get some messed up thoughts from time to time, but can you imagine living your life where every thought you have was just, how can I get this done next? How can I commit this atrocity next? How can I get away with doing this next? Every single time you're just thinking about that. That was the time of Noah. Oh, by the way, Christ tells us in the book of Matthew that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the time of the coming of the Son of Man. When God comes back a second time, it's going to be exactly like the time in the days of Noah. So we have, this lasts for about 436 years. The end of the flood to the time of Abraham. What is God's requirement for man? Again, it's the same, but it just operates in a different way. By faith, maintain a relationship with God by way of conscience, believe God, get in the ark. And he gave Noah and his sons very specific instructions. Be fruitful and multiply. He wanted them to kind of structure civilization. He wanted them to kind of organize things. But the thing is, he told them, be fruitful and multiply, which implies you cannot stay put. Guys, remember Tim Finley's message two weeks ago? Can't stay put. You have to go. Because when you don't go, Genesis chapter 11 happens. During this dispensation, where man gets together in his civil government and organizes a union of sorts and makes a way to build this tower and to get everybody to stay around and to pitch in. And they said, let us build a tower whose top may reach heaven with our own good works. Let us get our way to heaven. Problem is, that's not what God said to do. He told them to be fruitful and multiply, which implies dispersing. They wanted to stay in and gather everybody to themselves, that they could build a great tower, make a great name for themselves. And it ended in catastrophe. God dispersed them. You know, there's something interesting that happens with all of these. Starting with the edemic one, Adam's. In the end, you have seven major characteristic traits that follow all of these. The first one, you see there's a fullness or a clearness of the mission. They are told from God what He expects of them and they are to do it. But then after that, you know what you start to see? You start to see spiritual decline. Where they don't fulfill the mission. They don't do what God tells them to do. And eventually, when you don't take care of your spiritual walk with Christ, what ends up happening next is you start becoming just like the world. We've seen it happen again and again in each of these single ones. And not only that... But once they become like the world, they start to get settled. And they begin to build these civilizations that are brilliant. You guys got to think, when you read things like chapter 4 and chapter 5, and chapter 6 even, before the flood, people were living a lot longer than they are now. During, before the flood, people were living about 900 years old. Anybody know of any genius inventors right now in this day and age? I can not think of one. Elon. How old is he? 40s? He's 50. Holy cow, he's in his 50s. Look what that guy has done in just 50 years. Imagine if he lived to 900, the things he would be able to build, construct, develop. It's not beyond reason to think that at Noah's time, there were metropolitan cities and skyscrapers all over the place. There's a little throwaway verses in Genesis 4 where it talks about, Oh, this guy, he was the inventor of every kind of metal uh, tool. They had metal tools before the flood. And they lived 900 years old. Imagine what they'd be able to do with that. They settled, and they made these great, brilliant civilizations. The only thing were they were godless civilizations. And then, you start to see after they settle, ah, Yeah, but I still want to fulfill my mission... But I still very much like being settled and conformed to the world. And so they start getting lukewarm. And after they get lukewarm, you start to see apostasy. Because eventually, you're going to pick a side. Eventually, you always pick a side. You might want to have one foot in the world and one foot in church every Sunday and every Wednesday. But eventually, there's going to come a point in your life where you must pick a side. And in each of these dispensations, they all walked away from God. And you know what that leads to? Every single time, catastrophe. Look at it. We have the fall of man in Edenic. We have the flood in Adamic. We have the Tower of, Bab- of Babel in the Noaic. Every single Dispensation ends in failure. I don't know about you guys, but I look at a list like this, and at least as far as I've not been with you guys long enough, to be honest, but at least as far as my time in the senior high, this looks like a typical school year for a senior hire. Man, great camp. I got a renewed sense of what my mission is. I am so ready to go back to school. I'm ready to take the school by force. I'm ready to share my faith in Christ, be a light. Yeah, but then school comes, and man, man, it's not like it used to be with the cool schedule that we had It's summer, and I don't see my friends all that often, but hey, all these friends from school I haven't seen in a while, now I'm hanging out with them. Um, yeah, Bible reading's kind of falling aside, and next thing you know, you start looking like and talking like your friends at school, and then you just become settled, and then you just get lukewarm, where you still want to do good, so you show up to church on Sundays at least and fill in the blanks on the study sheet, but eventually you're going to end up choosing a side, and then there's going to be a catastrophe in your life. That was what it was like in my youth ministry at least. Maybe it's yours right now. Are you at any one of these levels? <sighs> the fall of man. The flood. Tower of Babel. Number four. The Abrahamic promise. The Abrahamic covenant or dispensation. The character trait that describes it obviously is promise. This lasts for 430 years. It was Abraham and his lineage to the time of Moses. Flip on over to chapter 12, verse 1. Mm-hmm. Read it for verse 1. Quickly. <laughs> That's not quickly. Sammy, thank you. out my country from God looks at him and says, Caleb, your pez is on the back counter. Go get it. Essentially, is what he says. He tells him, I have a land for you and I want to multiply your seed, but you have to take a step of faith and go and walk by faith every single time. You see, again, salvation is different for each of these dispensations, but it's also the same. They had to, by faith, believe what God said. And then do it. Follow through. It just happened in a different way. It was dispensed in a different way. On your seat here. By faith, believe God's promise and obey. But man, he has Isaac. And Isaac's not much better than Abraham was. And then Isaac has Jacob. And Jacob's certainly not better than Isaac was. And you just start to see this declination, this decline in conformity. And then eventually, the Jewish people end up in bondage and slavery in Egypt making bricks for the Egyptians. And that brings us to number five, the Mosaic Dispensation, or the time of the law. This lasts for 1,526 years. And it's through Moses, the Exodus, and the law until the death and resurrection of Christ. The requirement that God has for man, by faith, believe God's Word, and obey the law. Now you guys understand The law and doing the law did not save them. They by faith believed what God's word said and they did what the requirement was for them to receive the Pez. Does that make sense? By faith, you guys need to trust that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins and call upon him to save you. The calling does not save you. You guys get that, right? The prayer does not save you. You get that, right? It is trusting what He said and then following through with your obedience. Do you guys get the difference? It's, again, going back to the Pez analogy. I provided the Pez to each of you. It was a gift. You just had to receive it. You all received it in different ways but you still had to receive it. It's not a work. So many people get it backwards. And you can check out those passages later about Exodus and Deuteronomy, about maintaining the law. He says specifically in Deuteronomy, you know what? There is a blessing if you obey, but there is going to be a curse upon you if you disobey. That's also a unique, phrase, uh, a unique way to apply rule number two. That passage isn't written to us. If they did not fulfill the law, they were going to be cursed. But you could still benefit from that. If you don't get saved, you're going to be cursed. But if you do receive Christ and get saved, man, you'll be blessed. That's for you. That's how you can apply that to your life. Next, we have the Christian dispensation. Gee, I wonder when that takes place. Now, you might want to make a note. This is also known as the Davidic covenant. Because Christ, as we already talked about in Romans chapter 1, Christ was to be the king who came through David's lineage. If you were to look at I think it's uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, there's a passage where it talks about how God is telling David, your son is going to reign in your place. Yes, he's talking about Solomon becoming king of Israel, but God's also talking way down the line when his son gets put on the throne. And Christ was supposed to be on that throne in Israel, but they rejected Him, and so now we go into this dispensation where God, again, works by grace through faith, but it's by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as your substitutionary sin sacrifice. Oh, man. you guys realize how good we have it? I mean, again, we already talked about it in our intro when we were doing our review from last week's homework. Do you guys realize how good you have it that you don't have to worry about is God going to remove His Holy Spirit from you when you sin? How easy it is just to, well, I guess it wasn't necessarily easy for Ben. He had some doubts and some hesitations. But if he just trusted by faith and not by sight, it would have been very, very easy for him to get the pest, And he did, eventually. It's the same thing with us. We have it so easy. There's no, again, we don't have to. It may be that my sons have sinned, so I better do this offering just in case they sinned. Oh, crap, that's only been 20 minutes. I wonder if they've sinned again. Do I need to kill another lamb just in case? Man, we got it good. Now, this next one that's on here, it's not necessarily another dispensation. It's more of what's known as a parenthetical one. And we're going to talk about this here in another way. It's a minor dispensation, but again, after the rapture of the church, when we are taken away out of here, we're going to enter into this seven-year tribulation period. And again, the reason why we call it a, a minor dispensation is that God's not going to be operating the same way He is right now. Salvation will not be as easy for people who are still here after the church is raptured. We covered this in our, book, our study of the book of Revelation. But even as Caleb read earlier in Matthew 24 13, if you don't choose to receive Christ now, if your friends at school do not choose to receive Christ now by faith, they will have to endure till the end. And my, what an endurance test it's going to be. By faith, the requirement on your outline is to keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 12:17, the woman or the dragon was wroth with the woman, Israel, the dragon is the Antichrist, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, Israel, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here is the patience of the saints, those who had the testimony of Christ. Here are they that keep the commandments of God, which should kick back to your mind, huh, This is more Jewish in nature. This is kind of a throwback to the Old Testament law. It's kind of like that. Which is why you have so many Old Testament references in Revelation. Jude, Third John, 2 John, 1 John, 2 Peter, 1 Peter, James, and Hebrews. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Well, that's another requirement. You want to choose to not receive Christ here and now? Uh, You might be losing your head in order to genuinely be saved, in order to endure to the end. And that brings us to the final dispensation, the seventh one. It's known as the millennial. And to keep with our covenant theme, it's also known as the new covenant. So each of these covenants are named after a person. This one is the new covenant. This is the thousand-year reign of Christ after His second coming. You might want to underline that because again, churches for some reason are still confused by that. They think that the church is going to usher in usher in the millennium, and then Christ will come back. No, the other way around. Christ comes back first because we can't do it. This world, uh, case in point, is declining in every dispensation. Huh? Wait a second. We're in a dispensation right now. We're in number six. I wonder if this still applies for us. Yeah, Matthew 28, 2 Timothy 2. Yep, we got our mission, spiritual decline. Well, last day's perilous time shall come. There is going to be a falling away before that son of perdition is revealed. Conformity of the world. You can't tell a Christian from a lost person these days. Settled, yep, lukewarm, definitely. (sighs) To a degree, this has already happened. vast majority of churches have fallen away. I wonder, just as Jesus did in Luke 17, if when He comes back, shall He find faith on the earth? Granted, there's another application of that for the second coming, not necessarily the rapture. But, I wonder if He will find faith on the earth, which means, I wonder where we'll be. I wonder if it's going to get so bad, even in America... That you're going to be able to really tell the sheep from the goats. You're going to really be able to tell, okay, who are the ones that are really committed? Or if they'll all just run and hide. If we will all run and hide. And then comes the last part. In our case, it's the rapture of the church. We often don't look at that as a catastrophe. When you look at what's going to be happening here on earth for all of our friends and family members who know not Christ, it's a catastrophe. As we mentioned, each and every single one of these dispensations end in failure. The rapture of the church is because the church is not fulfilling its mission. Dispensation. Typical school year. Where are you at? Hopefully you're all right here. But I got a feeling there might even be some of you in this room right now that you've already seen a decline spiritually. And I think there might even be some of you that you're already starting to be more like the world just like you were before camp. Pop the brakes. Do some inspection. Because it's all downhill from there. And the requirement of the millennial Is by faith, keep and do the commandments of God. Blessed are they that do His commandments, they that may have a right to the tree of life. Isabella has the Pez dispenser. She has the right to the tree of life. You ever wonder, the tree of life, the the, the tree that God specifically told Adam and Eve, man, I'm going to put two angels with a flaming sword guarding that sucker so you guys don't take of it after you guys fell. Now it's open to all. You ever wonder why people might need the tree of life in the millennium? Because there's going to be people who endure to the end, who make it through the tribulation period, and they're going to have some sores and some wounds, and they're going to need some healing year after year in that millennium. You guys forget that we talked about those locusts that ascend out of the bottomless pit that sting people for five months without death? Oh, and by the way, at the end of that one, Satan leads a revolt. And there are people who even for... People for a thousand years, not you and I, because you and I will be reigning with Christ and we'll have glorified bodies. We're not going to sin. But there are people who come through the, the tribulation period and after a thousand years of not having Satan around... And they have Christ physically before them, sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. And they get to go to Him and worship Him all hours of the day, all the time, for a thousand years. Even at the end of that, man just can't help but rebel. And they're going to do that too. But then after that, we enter into eternity future. So again make these divisions, you have to know them first, which means you've got to study. Hey, you guys have a difficult passage? You're having a hard time understanding? Well, look and see where it's at that you're reading and then do some inspection. Is it written in this time period? you got the Scripture passages right there in that third column that show you where it goes from beginning to end. Maybe that'll help you understand okay, God was working in a different way during this time. Maybe this will help me. But be careful, because not all of these passages are speaking to the time in which they were written. You might see a passage written during the Davidic Covenant that's talking about the Millennium. You might see a passage that's written during the Mosaic. Again, Exodus all the way to the Old Testament, and it's talking about the Millennium. You might even see one passage that in one verse talks about two dispensations be on your work. And then you have the other minor ones I was talking about. Eternity past I thought that was kind of cool. That worked out in our Pez description. Yeah, God did create the heaven and the earth in Genesis 1.1. But according to Isaiah 45, God makes nothing as a waste. God makes nothing as void. God makes nothing purposeless. And then you get to verse 2 and all of a sudden you see darkness upon the face of the deep, which is a word in the Bible that is always synonymous with hell and destruction. The Spirit of God is moving upon the face of the waters. No one can inhabit waters. Hmm. Something must have happened in between there. Yeah. It's where you get the fall of Lucifer. And we can cross-reference that out, and I think we're going to do that in a few weeks here to come. So yeah, when that Pez first opened up, and then before anybody even gets to take it, Explosion. Eternity is a minor dispensation. The earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you guys notice that? How in between the Mosaic and the Christian one, his ministry isn't really mentioned there? Because again, he operated in a different way. Transition of the book of Acts to the nation of Israel to the church. We've talked about that. The tribulation period and of course eternity future. God is going to operate differently then. Alright, real quick. Problems encountered by not rightly dividing the Bible. Man, do you got to work it out. I did this when we were going through Revelation, but it's applicable here. You better make sure you know how to make the proper divisions. Because if you make the wrong divisions, this is going to say something. This is going to say something that it was not intended to say. Make sure... (laughs) Someone just in the wrong spot. Make sure you make the right divisions. So, number one, make sure that you're not taking truth from one part of the past and applying it to another part of the past. Hey, real quick, before we look at that, can anybody tell me what's the Jewish dietary uh, the, the law that they're supposed to follow? No, uh, no, no meat? Unclean. Unclean. Do you guys realize that they're actually allowed to eat deer? Even in the Mosaic Law, they were allowed to eat deer. Just swine and some other unclean animals. But did you know that wasn't always the case? Case in point, Genesis 1.29, God said, Behold, I have given you... Who's he talking to? Adam Adam and Eve. I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, and that which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. They were vegetarians in the garden because there was no death. And then you have Genesis 9-3, after a lot of death, God's like, hey, every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Have at it. Kill them all and eat them. But I like this, because part of me wonders, like, oh man, am I never going to have a steak again in heaven? No, this is not a plug for those, those stupid green burgers or those plant burgers or whatever. Hey, it tastes just like meat. But look, all of this stuff, for you, it shall be for meat. I wonder if we're going to eat some veggies and it's going to taste just like a filet mignon. I hope so. So be careful, though. And again, this is just one example, but you want to make sure you don't take one part of the past and apply it to another part of the past. All right, next. Taking truth from the past and applying it to the present. You can check out Acts 15 later. That's exactly what they were doing, saying, No, hey, guys, yeah, sure, Christ came and saved us, but we still have to maintain our good works. We still have to maintain the Old Testament law. Otherwise, we're going to lose it. Number three, make sure that you're not taking truth from the present and applying it to the past. We've covered this in our homework. Again, I mentioned this verse, Romans 8, 9. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, you better make sure you have the Spirit living and dwelling inside of you. Otherwise, you do not belong to Him. In Genesis 9, 3, Moses said, Enviest thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them? Again, This is a very special time in which God gives us the Spirit. He did not permanently indwell during Moses' day. That should give you more insight when you read these passages in the Old Testament again. Taking truth from the present and applying to the future. We've done that before in past uh, series. You read Hebrews chapter 6 and you think, well, it's in the New Testament, so surely it's talking about eternal security. No, Hebrews is talking about a future time during the tribulation taking truth from the future and applying it to the present and I looked Revelation 14 1, and lo a lamb stood on the Mount Sion and with him and 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads these are the 144,000 witnesses give me character traits of them real quick those of you that remember from Revelation virgin male Jews, virgin male Jews. they are certainly not Jehovah's Witnesses You realize they claim that to be them, right? You realize that they have duped millions of people throughout the last 150 years claiming that this is them. And they have damned people to hell because they have gotten converts of that. If they just read three verses down, they would have seen, no, because you don't belong to a tribe of Israel. And number six, taking truth from the future and applying it to another part of the future. Check out those verses later, but one's talking about the rapture, the other one's talking about the second coming of Christ. They are two different events. They are not the same. The rapture is not the second coming of Christ. The rapture, he meets us in the air, we go up with him. Second coming, his feet are actually touching the ground. Any questions? Dispensations are heavy, but again, And this is where it ties in with last week's. You guys get this down. You understand that there are proper divisions that need to be made. You will be able to study your Bible.